This is Ron Stockton. On January 26, 2024, the International Court of Justice in The Hague handed down its ruling on the South African accusation of genocide against the State of Israel. This is my fourth podcast on the Hamas attacks of October 7th and of the follow-up events. My third podcast was a discussion of the South African charge against Israel filed earlier this month. This podcast focuses upon the ruling of the International Court of Justice, sometimes called the High Court of Justice. If you have not listened to the earlier podcast on the accusation document, you might want to do so. It will put the response into context. The court will make a two-stage ruling. The first stage is called a preliminary determination. Then comes the ruling on the accusation, which is which in this case is whether Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians in Gaza. There are 17 judges on the court, 15 regular judges, and one each appointed by the two parties in the case. The preliminary determination focuses upon whether there is enough evidence to justify a full inquiry. At this first stage, the court can order certain actions or prohibit certain actions, to make sure there is not additional damage during the full investigation. It sounds a bit like an injunction prior to a trial. Suppose a man has been accused of violently assaulting his wife. He will have a full trial, but not for some months. Meanwhile, the judge can issue an injunction or a restraining order telling him to avoid certain actions, such as contacting his wife. He may be told to avoid alcohol or drugs and to report to a court officer on a schedule. Given that the final determination of genocide cannot be made until there is a full examination of the evidence, and that may take two years or more, the court can issue this temporary ruling. Let me note that some people reading this document might be somewhat irritated at some of the rulings, but it is necessary to remember that this ruling is a legal document. It clings closely to the law. For example, South Africa listed quite a bit of data involving Palestinian fatalities and suffering of various types. While acknowledging that both Israel and Palestine could cite shocking statistics of their losses, the court noted that these issues themselves, which may well be war crimes, were not before the court the court would only consider matters that fell under the Genocide Convention. Because this is a legal document, it has to work through the legal procedures before it gets to the main topic. What are those procedural issues? The first is whether South Africa has standing. Standing means you have a right to bring a case to the court. South Africa says it has standing because as a signatory of the Geneva Convention of 1948, it has an obligation to look after the rights of an endangered people. The State of Israel says that South Africa was obligated to engage in preliminary negotiations, and it did not do so. The court ruled that South Africa had done enough and had standing. Israel made two requests to the court. First, that it reject the request for provisional measures, and second, that it completely, quote, remove the case from the general list, i.e. decline to hear it. 
Israel has argued that the accusation of genocide against Israel is not only wholly unfounded as a matter of fact and law, it is morally repugnant. It argued that the accusation of genocide is not just legally and factually incoherent, it is obscene, and there is no valid basis in fact or law for the outrageous charge of genocide. Israel also argued that South Africa had not made an effort to resolve the issue through negotiations as required. The court concluded that the parties hold clearly opposite views of the facts of the law as required for consideration, and that the above-mentioned elements are sufficient at this stage to establish the existence of a dispute between the parties relating to the interpretation, application, or fulfillment of the Genocide Convention. In other words, South Africa has legal standing to bring this case before the court. One of the most complex standards is to determine intent to commit genocide. As the court put it, quote, according to South Africa, genocidal intent is evident from the way in which Israel's military attack is being conducted from the clear pattern of conduct of Israel in Gaza and from the statements made by Israeli officials in relation to the military operation in the Gaza Strip. The applicant also contends that the intentional failure of the government of Israel to condemn, prevent, and punish such genocidal incitement constitutes in itself a grave violation of the Genocide Convention. South Africa stresses that any stated intention by the respondent, i.e. Israel, to destroy Hamas does not preclude genocidal intent by Israel towards the whole or part of the Palestinian people in Gaza, unquote. Israel had an answer to these points, quote, Israel argued that in situations of urban warfare, civilian casualties may be an unintended consequence of lawful use of force against military objects. It says that statements by Israeli officials, as presented by South Africa, are misleading at best, and are not in conformity with government policy. For example, the Attorney General of Israel recently declared that any statement calling for intentional harm to civilians may amount to a criminal offense, including the offense of incitement, and that several such cases are being investigated. The court also noted that in the Bosnian case, the part of the population targeted must be significant enough to have an impact on the group as a whole. Regarding incitement and dehumanizing language, the court has taken note of a number of statements made by senior Israeli officials. These are quoted extensively in the earlier podcast focusing on the South African document. Just a few are quoted here. Secretary of Defense Gallant said, quote, I have released all restraints. We are fighting human animals. This is the ISIS of Gaza. We will eliminate everything. President Herzog said, quote, It is an entire nation out there that is responsible. It is not true, this rhetoric about civilians not aware, not involved. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime. We are at war, and we will fight until we'll break their backbones. 
It is interesting to me that the court did not cite any of the statements by Prime Minister Netanyahu, even his sympathetic references to the genocide of Amalek in the Bible. It is clear that the court was concerned by incitement. They did not mention this, but the massacres in Bosnia and Rwanda were accompanied by racist, dehumanizing, and genocidal incitement against the targeted groups. They quoted from a UN report that expressed, quote, alarm over discernibly genocidal and dehumanizing rhetoric coming from senior Israeli government officials. The main request before the court is that they issue certain provisional measures. Several of these were to mitigate the harm being caused. Let me summarize them. They asked that Israel be ordered to to desist from any future acts that might be associated with genocide. Those are then listed, quoting from the Genocide Convention, including killing, causing serious bodily or mental harm, deliberately inflicting conditions of life calculated to bring about physical destruction in whole or in part, imposing measures intended to prevent births, Furthermore, Israel shall not act in a way that would expel people from their homes or displace them, deprive them of food or water, deprive access to humanitarian assistance or medical supplies, or destroy Palestinian life in Gaza. Israel shall ensure that its officials cease incitement to commit genocide and that its military units, official or informal, shall not engage in any actions that might lead to genocide. Israel must preserve all evidence relevant to this case and shall not deny access to any materials. Israel must submit a report to the court within a week and shall not engage in any act that might aggravate or extend this dispute or make it more difficult to resolve. All of these South African requests were ones that the court would consider seriously and possibly support. But there were two other issues where the court was less likely to act. My impression is that outside of the court, most supporters of this case wanted to hear two things, a declaration of genocide and an order that there be a ceasefire. But those were the things that they were least likely to hear. Any determination of genocide would take a full investigation, perhaps two years or more. And with Hamas still in the field and definitively, sorry, and definitely hostile to Israel and definitely responsible for what happened on October 7th, it was unlikely that the court would tell Israel to put down its weapons. Regarding provisional measures, the court also ruled in South Africa's favor. As they put it, quote, the court may indicate provisional measures only if the provisions relied on by the applicant appear to afford a basis on which its jurisdiction could be founded, but it need not satisfy itself in the definitive matter that it has just jurisdiction as regards the merits of the case. What does this mean? It means that it will only move forward with provisional measures, if the evidence prevented by South Africa fits within the Genocide Convention, although the court did not decide at that point whether the evidence is sufficient to reach a conclusion of genocide. Let's go back to the earlier example of spouse abuse. 
In that case, the judge would say that we have not found that you are guilty of spouse abuse. Under the law, you are innocent until proven guilty. But there is a lot of evidence that your wife was beaten, and the prosecutor has provided quite a bit of evidence that you are the one who beat her. Until your trial, I'm going to impose a restraining order on you. Another question was whether the accusations fall within the provisions of the Genocide Convention. The court says they do. Quote, South Africa considers Israel to be responsible for committing genocide in Gaza and for failing to prevent and punish genocidal acts. Unquote. South Africa contends that Israel has violated other obligations under the Genocide Convention, including those concerning, quote, conspiracy to commit genocide, direct and public incitement to genocide, attempted genocide, and complicity in genocide. Of course, the data are very significant, and the court summarized some of the information that has been presented to it on fatalities, destruction, and human suffering in Gaza. 25,700 Palestinians killed, 63,000 injuries, 363,000 housing units destroyed or damaged, 1.7 million persons internally displaced. The court quotes a UN official as saying that, quote, Gaza has become a place of death and despair. They also note that, quote, this is the largest displacement of the Palestinian people since 1948. They also note that the Palestinians live through the unlivable, with the clock ticking fast towards famine. As the ruling summarizes the issues, quote, at this stage of the proceedings, the court is not called upon to determine definitively whether the rights which South Africa wishes to protect exist. It need only decide whether the rights claimed by South Africa for which for which it is seeking protection are plausible. At this point, the court reached an important conclusion that, quote, the facts and circumstances are sufficient to conclude that at least some of the rights claimed by South Africa and for which it is seeking protections are plausible. This is the case with respect to the rights of the Palestinians in Gaza to be protected from acts of genocide and related prohibited acts, and that, quote, a link exists between the rights whose protection is sought and the provisional measures it requires. <clears throat> Did you get that? Let me read that again. The facts and circumstances are sufficient to conclude that at least some of the rights claimed by South Africa to protect the Palestinians from genocide and for which it is seeking protections, are plausible. This is the case with respect to the rights of the Palestinians in Gaza to be protected from acts of genocide and related prohibited acts, and that a link exists between the rights whose protection is sought and the provisional measures it requests. So we're getting provisional measures in a minute. The document notes that the power of the court to indicate provisional measures will be exercised only if there is urgency in the sense that there is a real and imminent risk of irreparable prejudice, i.e. death and destruction, that will be caused. 
The condition of urgency is met when the acts susceptible of causing irreparable prejudice can occur at any moment before the court makes a final decision. As already noted, the court cannot at this stage make definitive findings of fact. In its defense, Israel cites evidence that it is acting to prevent irreparable harm. A dozen bakeries have opened. It is supplying water via two pipelines. Six field hospitals are under construction, and medical teams are entering Gaza. Moreover, quote, the scope and intensity of the hostilities is decreasing. But the court cites reports by UN officials. Let me quote those. The healthcare system is collapsing. Nowhere in Gaza is safe. I expect public order to completely break down soon due to desperate conditions. We are facing severe risk of collapse of the humanitarian system. Devastating levels of death and destruction continue. Every time I visit Gaza, I witness how people have sunk further into despair with a struggle for survival consuming every hour. Uh, those are quotes from six different reports. <clears throat> the court commented on these facts. In the circumstances, the court considers that the catastrophic human situation in the Gaza Strip is at serious risk of deteriorating further before the court renders its final judgment. The court considers that there is urgency in the sense that there is real and imminent risk that irreparable prejudice will be caused to the rights found by the court to be plausible before it gives its final decision. At this point, the court is ready to issue its findings. They have concluded that, quote, the conditions required by the statute for, for it to indicate provisional measures is met. Think about this for a minute before I read the provisional measures. <clears throat> the court believes that there is urgency that human catastrophe is and will continue to exist unless they intervene. They believe that these events that have alarmed them may well be a step on the way to genocide. They repeat what we have heard before. That is, as a signatory of the Genocide Convention, Israel is obligated to, quote, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article 2 of this convention, in particular, A, killing members of the group, B, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, C, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and D, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. The court further considers that Israel must ensure, with immediate effect, that its military forces do not commit any of the above described acts, unquote. <clears throat> Quote again, the court is also of the view that Israel must take all measures within the power, within its power to prevent and punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide in relation to members of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip. The, quote, the court further considers that Israel must take immediate and effective measures to enable the provision of urgently needed basic services and humanitarian assistance. Quote, Israel must also take effective measures to prevent the destruction and ensure the preservation of evidence related to allegations of acts 
within the scope of the Genocide Convention. Quote, Israel must submit a report to the court on all measures taken within a month. South Africa had asked for one week. The court also notes that it is gravely concerned about the fate of the hostages abducted during the attack in Israel of 7th October 2023 and held since then by Hamas and other armed groups and calls for their immediate and unconditioned release, unquote. The document finishes with a list of the six provisional measures, the vote on each of the measures, and the names of the justices who did not support the measure. Of the 17 justices on the court, none of the votes were unanimous, but only two justices were consistently no votes. Justice Sabatende, a justice from the Uganda Supreme Court, voted no on all recommendations. The Israeli ad hoc appointee, Justice Barak, was negative on four measures. For those curious, the American judge who was chairing the panel did not vote against any of the recommendations. Let me summarize those provisional measures for you again and highlight the negative votes. 1. Israel should take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of this convention. That includes killing, causing serious bodily or mental harm, deliberately inflicting conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, imposing measures intended to prevent births. The vote was 15 to 2, with Sebetunde and Barak voting no. Number 2. Israel shall ensure that its military does not commit any of the above acts. The vote was 15 to 2, with Sebetunde and Barak voting no. Number three, Israel shall prevent and punish direct and public incitement to commit genocide. The vote was 16 to 1, with Sebatende <coughs> voting no. Number four, Israel shall enable the provision of urgently needed services and humanitarian assistance. The vote was 16 to 1, with Sebatende voting no. Number five, Israel shall preserve the evidence for this investigation. The vote was 15 to 2, with Sebatunde and Barak voting no. Six, Israel shall submit a report in a month. The vote was five to two with Barak and Seba Tunde voting no. Five of the justices submitted supplementary reports. Two of those were very perfunctory. Three were longer and more substantive. Georg Nolte, the German judge, had a long discussion of what was within the purview of the court and what was not. He expected that even though he had some technical doubts, he supported all of the measures. <clears throat> Julia Sebutende, the judge from Uganda, voted against all six measures. She had a lengthy discussion of the various efforts to revolve, resolve the dispute through negotiations from the original 1947 Partition Plan to UN Resolutions 242 and 338 to Camp David and Oslo and beyond. She felt that this was not a legal issue, but a political issue and should be resolved by having the parties sit down and negotiate their way out of, a clon out of the conflict. Aharon Barak, the former Chief Justice of the Israeli Supreme Court, started his statement with a discussion of how the children of Vilnius in Lithuania had been rounded up by the Nazis and executed. 
He and his mother had miraculously escaped and survived. To him, this case was very personal. He felt that Israel was being unfairly accused, and the use of the word genocide was painful to all Jews. He cited a code of ethical conduct binding upon Israeli soldiers. He felt that Israelis could not possibly be guilty of what it had been accused of doing. He supported two of the six rulings, which he explained in his statement. One was the humanitarian measure, because he was sympathetic to the suffering of the Palestinians, and one was the statement on incitement. He felt that the statements presented in the court were heat-of-the-moment statements and had been contradicted by other statements. He opposed the four other measures. Let me finish with some observations. Reactions to this ruling were all over the place. Some supporting the South African case were pleased that Israel had been stung and told to stop actions that might be genocidal. Others were disappointed that there was no call for a ceasefire. Those opposing the South African case also moved in two directions. Some thought either Israel was either seriously abused or escaped from more serious consequences. I think those who actually read the ruling would see it as a serious rebuke to Israel. Israel was told to cease and desist from certain actions that might well be the beginning of a genocide. Their military and political leaders were singled out for their words and their deeds, both of which are serious issues under the Genocide Convention. Outside of certain pro-Israeli countries, such as the U.S., Israel's international reputation is in a shambles. And even in the U.S., there is remarkable polarization. The president is now in a situation in which his public appearances are being disrupted by crowds with blood-red hands chanting Genocide Joe or Cease Fire Now. It reminds me of what happened in 1967 when protests against the Vietnam War were so strong that President Johnson had to limit his appearances to military bases where spouses of serving soldiers were friendly. When he appeared in public, crowds chanted, Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? Johnson soon announced his withdrawal from politics. This war had become something much bigger than just a war between Israelis and Palestinians. It has become a symbol of how powerful Western states, with their technological weaponry and economic power, can inflict enormous pain and suffering on the non-Western world. In 50 years, we will look back on this war as some kind of a turning point. We can all hope for the better.